Hello friends, um, this week, well, I guess maybe some of our listeners have heard Seb talk about the Italian problem in previous podcasts, but for the first time here this week he shares he shares with us and explains with us what happened, its effect on him and his family relations, and it, yeah, his, his journey towards, um, I guess, greater peace of mind. Um, Obviously, he'll he'll be the first to admit that he's still on it, but I was very grateful to be part of this. Very proud of Seb for coming so far, and I'm sure many uh, people will resonate with this. Thanks for listening, guys. All the best. Sebastian Syracuse, what's the crack? Not too bad, my friend, not too bad. Saying before the podcast that I went on a little run before... Well, I say little, I mean, you would, by the looks of me, you think I'd done a half marathon or a marathon, but um, <clears throat> to try and clear my head, or as Joe Rogan says, exercise those demons. So, um, was it to get rid of, I mean, I almost died, but yeah, I uh, tried to, I say tried to push a pace. I mean, if anyone even follows me on Strava, they will have a serious laugh at that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> let's say the pace was relative. Okay. <laughs> it was no... There was no Mo Farah going on, but um, as far as far as I concerned, it was uh, it was pretty quick. So uh, yeah, no, it was uh, I think much needed. Hope well, hopefully. I mean, I guess you'll be the judge of that once we do this podcast. But um, yeah, I feel, I'm feeling good, feeling uh, somewhat peaceful. Happy to hear, man. <clears throat> Happy to hear. Yeah, man. How's it going over in Italy? I know you've moved over there now. You're making fresh pasta every day. I feel like you're like living to every stereotype that possibly is. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Like, I don't, it surely isn't going to be like this all the time. I think, like you said, it might be just the introduction. They and, have, yeah, mate, yeah. they have to be. They, if I swear to God, if you are still making fresh pasta, <laughs> even like two weeks from now, then I don't know what family you're living with, but like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm just expecting you to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to make fresh home homemade rice homemade water from the pump outside do you know what i mean like i don't know what is happening over there but like it is ridiculous i feel like you've caught up to my 24 years of italian life in about two weeks <laughs> swear to god <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, nah, uh, nah. it's uh it's good though it's it's obviously very strange um <laughs> uh, kind of and i feel like i'm putting pressure on my girlfriend because i'm obviously entering her world in a very real sense you know mm. and it's it's a it's a difficult thing to maneuver i'm sure louisa experienced something similar when she moved to madrid but mm. uh you know because i, I have no like close friends here it's mm. uh, every kind of link so far is is through yeah. her and so i'd imagine yeah. that's tough on her but yeah. uh, we were having good chats about it and taking it day by day beautiful stuff yeah that's all you can do that's it man. that's all you can do so i think sorry yeah I, I think like probably um i mean people have listened to the intro somewhat but i think it's best to uh briefly um give like some sort of outline as to why we're doing this podcast why all of a sudden i'm on the other side of the table and in the hot seat um so to speak um but basically from my end i think from our end to be quite honest but um We've we've been recording podcasts and we've had like amazing guests on. As you like to say, we always try to get them to bear their soul. Yes, and uh, and uh, that's been great to 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 listen um, and to share that with them and to share that with uh, our listeners as well. And it's been really important to do so. Um, but we kind of felt that, or I at least felt like I couldn't really go on much further without doing a podcast um, solely related to 
what I would definitely call my biggest struggle or my biggest fight with mental health because sometimes it, I semi-allude to it in other podcasts with other guests depending if it's obviously the right context and the right scenario and I just didn't want to keep on kind of uh, alluding to something. Uh, I'd rather just get it out there in the open and then from now on if we have, which I know we're going to, we're going to have guests that talk about, you know, sexual abuse and so on. We've already had Dr. Marie Keenan. Mm-hmm. Um, then I can kind of talk at it in in a, in a freedom and know that, you know, if listeners want to come back and they want to go, what what actually happened with Seb? Then they've got this podcast as like a reference point rather than it being like this weird, um, this weird kind of, not secret, but almost like semi-secret that's there in the background. It kind of looms over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also just didn't feel fair as well because, like you said, we ask our guests to bear their soul and then here I am as the host. Not really doing that. Yeah. So uh, to avoid being a hypocrite for much longer, um, <clears throat> thought it was probably best to uh, to get this podcast underway. And in the interest of fairness, I think it's best to say um, that this is the second time of recording. The first time we recorded this, I still, I wanted to do it for this, those reasons that I've just explained, but I don't think mentally I was in the right place. And it, there was a lot of anger involved, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, it came off more as ranting and raving and just hurt um, rather than what I hope this podcast offers, which at the end of the day, people will interpret it how they want to interpret it. But I hope that this podcast offers some sort of hope, some sort of light at the end of the tunnel. So that if anyone's going through this or anyone who knows that anyone who's going through something similar, they can say, look, you know, I'm just listening to this random guy and he's gone through it all as well. And he seems to be in a better place. I don't want it to come off as like, I've been in this Zen kind of mindset or whatever the case may be when this happened because that's uh, in other cases it's been three or four years now to get to this place and i still haven't found uh the complete inner peace i'd like to but let's say instead of having tsunamis i've got surfable waters these days mm. so we're still on the journey to find that placid lake but i'll, I'll make do with surfable waters at the moment but, but, but before you continue man i, it, I mm. think it's important to note that you were saying oh i didn't want to appear to be a hypocrite but also and we've alluded to it in a few podcasts i think before where we also need to give uh like credence to the possibility that the person isn't there yet to express this mm. in such a way you know like yeah. i say i say i want people to bear their soul but i want people to bear their soul if they're if they're in a nice if they're in the place where they feel like they can bear that soul, or if yeah, they've interrogated yeah. the soul and then they feel like they can bear it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I know for a yeah, lot of sure. people, it's it's super difficult. So I'm um, I'm proud of you for for wanting to do this. It's definitely mm. not like the last word I would use to describe this has been easy or tranquil. Mm. And um, yeah, man, I'm I'm real real proud. I appreciate that, and also I just want to say like, a little caveat or a little footnote before I say anything else, which is uh, when I describe the situation and describe everything that I've been through, I can I can only talk about things from my personal experience because it won't be right for me to try to imagine what other people have gone through um, in this whole story and what they felt. So I can only ever talk about this from a personal experience. And with that said, I understand, it's not a game of top trumps, of course not, but I understand that what I have felt and experienced and gone through and everything else is literally, it's so minute compared to the key protagonist in this story. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to come across as me trying to play the victim or anything else like it. I just want it to be an honest conversation 
because I've had these conversations with many of my friends, some some I haven't had that with, but I want it to be a case where people can look and say, well, look, here's at least one option forward. And here's at least one story where they've tried to work it through. So I don't want to make out that I'm the victim in this because that's definitely not the case. But I, I can't do this podcast justice if I was trying to talk about it in third person and try to talk about what the protagonists went through and how they feel. Because as much as I've spoken to them, I will never be able to empathize fully with them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it'd be a complete injustice to try to even, even attempt that would be silly. Um, so I just want to put that out there first and foremost, that anyone who suffered with sexual abuse on a first hand basis, I can't imagine the pain that you've gone through. Um, and uh, this is not me trying to act up to that. This is all, all this is, is that actually with, with sexual abuse um, survivors, what I've seen is that it doesn't actually just solely, it's kind of, it's one of those weird things where it doesn't just affect the survivor. It really has like a, a huge ripple effect on anyone and ev- and everyone who's connected to mm-hmm. that survivor mm-hmm. um, to varying levels, obviously depending on that, how close you are to that survivor. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to mention names nor, nor their true relation to me because again, they might not want me to do so, but put it this way i couldn't be much closer to that person if i tried so the ripple effect was fairly profound um so i just want to put it out there i'm I'm just this is not me trying to play the victim or anything else like it just trying to put my story across thanks for thanks for highlighting that yeah uh i I guess we can start then by maybe talking (laughs) talking about the event initially Mm. uh Mm. it was uh discovered or uncovered yeah uh, and then initial reactions yeah um so basically what happened was uh some so those who know me they know that i'm half italian have very or had at least a very close link to my italian family very uh identified as as an italian even though i was brought up in england lived in england because my household my cult the culture in my household was very italian and we were closer to the italian side of the family than the english side since day dot it's just how it's always been very stereotypical that image of the Italian families. I mean, couldn't be more stereotypical. That's just how it was. Um, <clears throat> basically, what happened? I don't. I can't even remember the dates because they've all kind of blurred. And maybe I think some coping mechanism. Maybe I'll try to block them out. But long story short, we had um, what well, we have an Italian house in the mountains. It was like the big house where it was my mum's and dad's. But we would always invite the family up. So every summer we would go over there. Myself, my sister mum and dad and then like the cousins and the aunties and uncles and everyone else would come up because it was big enough to have them all together so it was a great little um escape and that would have been i think since i was like 10 years old maybe 9 10 something around that age all the way through every single year we'd go there um anyway this one year maybe about three or four years ago i think it was um for once, I wasn't going to go to Italy. I was doing a trip around South America with my friends um, from university. <clears throat> and uh, that was a beautiful trip. Anyway, we came back. And as I came back, uh, my mum said, uh, I need to tell you something. And I thought, oh, my mum and dad have got divorced or something along these lines. Anyway, I came back home and then she proceeded to tell me what happened. And again, I'm going to try really hard to protect the identities of everyone involved um, as much as I can. Um, but basically long story short my one of my uncles um had been sexually abusing someone in the family for about seven to eight years i think uh yeah roughly about that so every every summer 
he would use that as his like uh, opportunity to sexually abuse someone in the family. Obviously, we had no idea. And um, that summer that I didn't go, everyone was planning to go to the mountains and go to the house. And, and this person in question broke down and uh, told some members of my family that, <clears throat> you know, they didn't want to go this, that and the other. And, you know, the kind of consensus was, oh, look, we know it's a bit boring because there's no Wi-Fi or anything like that. It's very, very like a rural retreat, basically. And, you know, for a young person, it's not the most fun, to be quite honest. Um, and so I think that was like, oh, but no one in my family cries. So it was a bit like, well, look, we know it's boring, but I mean, come on, there's nothing to cry about it. <clears throat> and then uh, they proceeded to tell the story. Um, and yeah, that that was basically it. And then in the fallout of that, we then found that this uncle in question had actually um, sexually molested um, one of my aunties, so the one of the sisters of his wife, um, when she was a lot younger, because there's quite a big age gap in between the... So it's my dad and then three sisters. Mm-hmm. That's the Italian side of the family, and there's quite a big age gap in between those and between the youngest and the oldest. And the uncle is the... Um, is uh, yeah he sexually he sexually molested one of the one of the aunties when she was a lot younger and she decided i think it was only once but she decided to kind of basically keep that secret hoping that she would own she would be the only ever victim um and basically she would take that to her grave anyway when this story came out that actually he'd done it to someone else in the family then that story also came out in the open as well which created a bit of a thing because it's like well why didn't you tell us because if you told us maybe we could have avoided the situation and blah 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 that was a whole thing but the not the worst part because i mean obviously the worst part is the is the abuse but the second the close second um and the most i say i would say almost the most disappointing part was the fact that um uh a lot of fam not all but a lot of the family members actually leapt to um the uncle in question's defense and uh basically said oh it's bullshit like it never would have happened like there's no way like he's the nicest man and it's true like he he always seemed i mean if you were to say he was the nicest person in my family i would have said him do you know what i mean he, he just had that he had that character but that's exactly what it was it was a character right um and so it was and i understand for people who like you know for his sons and daughters it was really hard to accept imagine being told that your father is uh as a paedophile it's not that's not an easy thing to accept and i understand that fully but anyway yeah the disappointing thing was that um a lot of people basically uh uh, denied it ever happened or just just didn't believe it despite the fact that um a woman you know he'd molested a, a girl who is now a woman who is telling the rest of the family look it happened to me as well like it's not just this one this young girl telling a story this is i can account and i can attest that this also happened to me and i'm a you know 40 50 year old woman who understands what sexual what se- what sexual activities are because you know the the kind of the notion or the connotation was oh well you know how in italy like we're all very cuddly and kissy and you know blah blah like maybe she just misunderstood type that was like the the connotation that and you know look you don't misunderstand those types of things and you don't misunderstand them for seven or eight years um so that so that happened um which was obviously devastating and uh then like a year i think about a year later my mom and dad got divorced some of it for different reasons but i'm pretty sure that was the camel that broke the straw that broke the camel's back um 
So it was the kind of like a really stormy year or so. Uh, and then the fallout of that has been, for me anyway, like I said, I'm only going to talk about myself, but the fallout for that for me has been uh, quite impactful because it threw a lot of things into question. Um, some things that I thought I'd never questioned before. Um, so yeah, so it's been a journey trying to work through those questions, work through some really dark feelings, to try and be a bit more compassionate and and to get to the place that I am today. And there's still, I know there's still a lot of work ahead of me, but, um, but yeah, yeah. So I think I've tried not to like go on too much, but that's more or less the uh, summary of the story. And uh, as you mentioned, as you mentioned before, we obviously, uh, like, I obviously can't, we, we can't talk about the, the victim in this case, or the person mm. who received this, but um, I, I guess what the, the question that comes to mind initially is what do you think has changed in the last few months uh, when mm. we initially recorded the episode to talk about this mm. uh, and now? Uh, and, mm. and I think, I think there'll be a nice follow on questions from this. Um, uh, a couple of things. Um, we've had, we've recorded, so this is obviously going to come out in November, but we've recorded some, some podcasts for next year one of which was with Richard Moore, and that was a podcast all about forgiveness and how one of the things he said was, um, which I've tweeted recently, but that forgiveness is the is a, a gift, gift to yourself. Yeah, and uh, I don't think it resonated, or I don't think it, I realized how much it resume, resonated with me in that moment, um, but it definitely had a massive ripple effect, uh, and that stayed with me for quite a while. Um but I think more than that, or that was kind of secondary. The first thing that kind of happened was um, I'd re- for the last three or four years, but very acutely in the last couple of months, I'd gone through a bit of like, well, not a bit, a, de- a huge identity crisis. Um, and what I mean by that is basically the family that I had, not just myself, we had all put on a pedestal, this Italian family, this notion of family, um, this unbreakable bond between the Syracusers. Uh, well, that got broken um, pretty substantially. Um, and it triggered something in me that actually you um, brought a light on inadvertently by moving to Italy um, to to be with your girlfriend, um, Chiara. And, you know, obviously, unless I'm unless I'm unaware, I think I'm the only Italian friend you have. So, you know, you would, and we have a lot of conversations anyway because of the podcast and so on. And so you would tell me, but even before you'd moved out, you were telling me little things about Chiara and about like a family and, you know, all like Italian anecdotes basically, which I understand because who's better for you to tell that to? I'm the one who can relate to that the most. And kind of unexpectedly that, and I told you, but um, it became like a trigger. Uh, And whilst I was very happy for you, it really brought up some really horrible emotions for me. And it, everything that I'd once been proud of about Italy all of a sudden became a source of re- of real resentment and real shame. Shame would be the big overarching feeling there. And uh, I told you, and I said, look, I, not that I don't want you to ever talk to me about Italy, but because uh, there was one point where it almost felt like it was daily. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I can deal with this. Uh, so I told you we could uh, like kind of slow that down somewhat um but then i just got thinking and i was like well how ridiculous is this i mean i can't even be happy for my friend because he's moving to italy 
to a family that has nothing to do with mine, to a city that has nothing to do with the city that I'm from. Or, you know, the, the only, I mean, it's a big link, but the only link is Italy, but it's a very abstract link in, in, in any way because within Italy there's so many different things. But And yet everything you said was a trigger, and I thought, oh, this can't carry on. I mean, because, okay, for now it's gym, but then what? And then I'm going to have a mate that's going to go on holiday to Italy, or then I'm going to whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden, everything that was a source of pride became a great source of shame. Um, and that was really hard to deal with. And I didn't really know what that meant or what to do. But I just kind of, through talking to Richard, and then we talk, spoke to um, recently to Adam, our very own Rafiki. <laughs> and uh, and um, I just felt like I needed to... I needed to take ownership of the situation within myself. I couldn't let these people who I who I think have um, abandoned us and have um, uh, been traitors to us. I couldn't let them have any more power over how I felt about anything, whether that's Italy, whether that's about the notion of family, whether that's whatever the case may be. They were having too much. They had too much power over how I felt about myself, and. <clears throat> It, it was getting ridiculous and it was getting out of hand. And so I realized quite sharply that I needed to get that in order pretty quick because that could really spiral. Um, and also because I love Italy and I love being Italian and I love having Syracuse as my last name and I love having brown skin and brown eyes and a thick black beard. All of that stuff I love. And I don't want to be shame or feel shame about that at all i want to shout that from the rooftops and and that's one thing that i've seen with sexual abuse which is really i think the most insidious thing about it is that it permeates shame but the shame isn't from the perpetrator it's actually from the, the, the survivors and the surrounding members who who love that survivor so instead of the the perpetrator being like oh i'm so sorry this is such an awful thing i've done they feel almost no i mean this person in particular he hasn't even accepted it. he says it's a lie feels so he clearly feels no shame whatsoever and yet it's my family and the ones who we love who we have to take on the shame and i just thought this is ridiculous we have done nothing wrong obviously the protagonist even more so she's i mean a completely innocent person in this whole th fiasco as is everyone else and yet now we feel shame. We're the ones who haven't gone to Italy for three or four years. I mean, what's that all about? I mean, we if we don't want to go to Italy, it's because we shouldn't want to go to Italy because we prefer to go to Spain or wherever the case may be, but not because we feel shamed to go there. And that's how it's felt for the last three or four years. And I've, I've just had enough, to be quite honest. And I'm trying to take back control. Um, and it's just little things. I'm listening now to my Italian Spotify playlist that I've always had. I'm cooking Italian food again. Yesterday I cooked pasto brodo, which is a, a, a winter dish that my nan cooked me. And it was my favorite. It's not very special, but it's my favorite dish because she cooked it for me. That A month ago, that would have been a massive trigger. After this podcast, I'm going to make some tomato sauce and fill the jars up for the rest of winter. Again, would have been another massive trigger, but now I'm looking forward to it because I can't let these people have any more power over how i feel about anything whether that's my identity or anything else you know and i think that's probably like the biggest spark um that showed me that i needed to change i think it's very admirable man because i don't know i i when we would talk obviously we have different opinions on, on some things and very often my opinion on stuff would be um kind of rejected by you because uh, 
because I have I haven't had such an experience, you know. Like my like mm. my opinion is kind of this opinion in this nice world where I haven't had, you know, this particular instance or this particular mm. burning anger inside of me. And you know, yeah. I could I could quote someone, I could quote the Dalai Lama, or I could quote whoever, but it just sounded it meant nothing to you or it meant very little to you because you're like, nah, mm. I have this in me, you don't know. Mm. And I'm sure that there are people listening that also have this. Um, and and that, this is why I think it's admirable because me and you are very different people. I mean, we mm. share a lot of things as well, but we are very different. And mm. what what it, what's been really great for me to see is the like the the development from you because even six months ago, more than six months ago, it was just pure anger, you know. Yeah. And it, it's really impressive for you for me to see this as well that you say, hey, no, like the, the shame that I feel is is why am i feeling this shame mm-hmm. and like you said it's like you're letting these people like this this these events shape your future shape your present you know yeah and um and i think i don't know tell me if i'm wrong this is probably my next question like did you think that this was um on get out of on get out of out of a ball <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> um, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, inescapable i think i know i know any irish listener is going to think smug british bastard um no uh no i get what you're saying and um yeah look i'll be honest last night i had a dream uh, that i'd went and i used the word dream not nightmare very pointedly because i had a dream that i'd went to that i was in italy and I did some horrible things to that man and said some horrible things and physically did some horrible things in my dream. And the reason I say dream and not nightmare, because it wasn't scary to me. In the dream, I was in, almost enjoying it and relishing that uh, that possibility to do those things. And maybe that's the scariest thing of all, was that it wasn't a nightmare. And um, when this first came out, the whole fiasco, uh, you know, um, I had two two clear thoughts. Uh, one was I want to do him serious, irreparable harm. I mean, if, if we were living in the Middle Ages where <laughs> DNA testing wasn't a thing anymore and it was a lot easier to get away with murder, maybe I would have done that. Um, and, that and I'm not saying that lightly. I, I, I'd contemplated loads of... I mean, I told you about how when Corona came out, my, the first, my first thought was how can I get to Italy and infect him. That that it wasn't. Oh, how's the rest of my family? Because obviously Italy had it really bad to start with. It wasn't. There was none of that. My first initial thought was, how can I go over there and infect him? And that was a really dark, horrible um, kind of like feeling within myself that I didn't recognize. And again, I use the word shame because now that I'm in a better place, and like I said, I still have those feelings. Um, I had a dream. Maybe maybe that's because I was having this podcast. I knew I was going to have this podcast the next day or whatever. And I think maybe Carl Young can answer those questions. But the point being, I was, I'm now ashamed that I let him um, have that power over me and that I was weak enough to have those feelings because I don't consider myself a violent person in any way, shape, or I've never had a fight. I've not even like a, a little punch up in a bar or anything, nothing even close. So to go from that, to then all of a sudden, not just wishing harm on him, but semi planning how you could do it, um, was really dark and something I really didn't like in myself. Um, I don't know if it's, 
completely inescapable. Uh, I definitely don't want to kill him anymore. Uh, that said, I don't want him to live for a long time. If tomorrow I got, if tomorrow I got the call that he'd uh, that that God or the devil, let's say, I think the devil had knocked on his door and said, "Time's up, my friend." I think I'd be a very happy man. Um, Sorry, but at least that gone because I think you're you're being maybe a bit harsh. I don't know what the word is, but you say oh, I was weak enough to let this happen. But I don't. I, I can't describe. I don't think I can't see this as weakness. I I see this as a very a very normal reaction to an incredibly traumatic event to a family member. Mm. Um, and I think I get what you're saying, but I think now in, upon reflection, I think that's an easy cop out. You know, we spoke um, with uh, Adam and um, which is a podcast that will come out. I feel like I'm like promoting podcasts that are going to come out next year, but which is a podcast that will come out next year. And we said about how, you know, what does successful mean? And when we look to a successful person, what does that mean? Are we looking to, you know, footballers who are rich and famous, is that what we deem success? Or or are we looking at personally inside, someone who has achieved a, a, a level of comfort inside and an inner peace? And, you know, there are some amazing people in history who have, have achieved that. And that's what I now think of as successful. And, you know, I think the one, the stellar person would be Nelson Mandela, you know, and he was put in prison by white people, racists, um, and when he came out, instead of which a lot of us would have said, like you said, the normal thing to do would be to oh, fuck every white person. Now let's flip the script. I'm a black president in power. Now all of you lot, I'll have my vengeance type thing. He did the complete opposite. And that's why he's so revered. And that's why he's not one of the many. And it's that thing of um, to be uncommon amongst uncommon men, you know, that phrase. And that's what I kind of strive to be. I'm not saying I'll ever get there, but at least that's a something that keeps me on the on the straight and narrow. And I think it's understandable to have the the feelings that I had, but I think a stronger character, someone who was more centered, someone who had more peace naturally wouldn't have allowed those thoughts to even enter their mind. And if the minute they did, they would have battered them away. I don't want to speak for other people, but I can't imagine Adam feeling that way, for example. Do you know what I mean? Okay. And, um, okay. Yeah. This is, this is interesting because I would say that this isn't necessarily, like you say, uh, it was weakness. This person came to these thoughts. But I would say you're saying you've had the luxury or luckiness or f however you want to say the fortune of coming across mm. people like Adam or coming across mm. people who have very articulately and very compassionately expressed certain uh, opinions mm. uh, and how to flip the script. And I think w if we didn't have this perspective, if we, if we, if I know I wouldn't like, I, like, I don't know about you, but like if you, if you didn't have these people as, as examples who have been able to show huge compassion within themselves and then think I could do this or this, this with Adam in particular, the idea of thoughts not being representative of you per se. Like if you didn't have this as knowledge, then, then it's very easy to like, look around, look at TV, look at the movies we watch. This is what happens. Yeah. Something bad happens. People react with violence and yeah. violent thoughts. So I don't think it's weakness. I think in, in a certain context, it's, it's it's the it's the norm and i don't think it's 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 fair to say that this person is weaker than than you know adam because i think mm. adam would probably admit 
in one day of his life, he was very reactive and mm. you know? yeah, I get what yeah, no, I get what you're saying. <clears throat> it's just look, I'm not talking about anyone else. I'm purely talking about myself. So I don't want to say anyone else is weak if they've had those feelings. I don't, doesn't I don't know what anyone else's situation is. I just look back on it. My, I'm back on it now, and I go, hmm. Well, that was a test of character. Um, you know, I suppose like one thing you could say is I some I passed because I didn't do it at the end of the day. Look, you know, some people literally they follow through with those thoughts. I didn't. Um the the other thing that I had that was very um prominent in my thought process uh was this is a moment which will define you for the rest of your life. Like how you act when I when I first got told the fiasco, I was like, how I act in, in the immediacy will define everything going forward and you can't go back in time and so seeing the reaction of my family which was definitely unexpected we we assumed they would come riding over the hilltops and that was not the case i knew that i my you know my dad couldn't go over to italy because he was too heartbroken i mean this is his family at the end of the day this is his, these are his sisters and whatever else that you could say betraying him um and so i and he, you know, if he'd went there, maybe he would have done something terrible and got himself in real trouble. So he he couldn't even take that risk. Um, and my mum doesn't speak Italian, you know. My sister's too young anyway. What what what's she going to do? So I knew that I had to fly out, and I knew that I had to have a, a family meeting with the sisters, not with the not with him, because again, I didn't know what I would do if he got if I saw him. So I made sure that he wouldn't be there. But I had a family meeting with the sisters. And that's one thing I am proud of, because I know that the person in question knows now unequivocally that I have their back. And that when the chips are down, they can count on me. And if there's one thing I'm proud of, or one thing I'm grateful for out of this whole shitstorm is that it granted me that opportunity to show that because i think it's very easy for us to say to people oh yeah you know man anything you need i'm there for you and so on and so forth we all say it because i think when we say it we genuinely mean it you know but then i i truly believe that everyone in their life has at least one if not a few but at least one moment in their life where they can really act on the principles that they say they believe in and I knew that this was that time for me. Maybe there's more to come, but I knew that this was that time. And I'm proud that I acted that way and I managed to keep a calm head in that situation and I knew what I needed to do. Um, and so I'm thankful for that. Um, but yeah, it was a difficult one because ultimately I knew I was going over there to listen to to talk to people and to listen to people who I knew didn't believe in the situation. And if I, if I wanted to smash their heads together and be like, is this really happening? Has this family really come to this? But I knew that that needed to be done. And it was something that needed to be done in, in person and needs to be done face to face. It wasn't a phone call or a letter wouldn't have done anything. Um, as it happened, the conversation didn't really achieve much. But if I could go back in time, I would do it exactly the same all over again. Um, and that's one thing that I am happy for. So, yeah, it's uh, been a bit of a whirlwind. That's pretty that's pretty cool that you can you can do that because I think a lot of many of us look um, look back on things that we regret and, mm. and feel bad about it. But it's it's very nice that you have had the opportunity, or you can look back and say, "No, this this was a test of character, and this is something that reflected my character or yeah. my fundamental values." Yeah. 
I don't want to give myself too much of a pat of a back on the back because when the more I think about it, I mean, I think only a therapist could really answer these questions, but I have, I've started questioning things that I did apart from that one thing that I am proud of. I started questioning other things that I did and I thought, mm, could that have been, mm, why did you do that? So for example, one of the, you know, I moved to Italy, I moved to Madrid. What kind of, around when this was all happening now that was a decision i think i always would have made because i wanted to live to madrid live in madrid and, and it is what it is that said i am almost certain that there was a part of me that knew that i had to flee i had to leave i had to get distance because it wasn't just Italy. It was it, it was something, and obviously then the divorce happened. So then that was like another added thing. And so within like the four walls of my family home, so to speak, it was something that even in the good moments, it was like this like darkness that was always lurking. Mm. And I knew that I had to. I think maybe I think subconsciously, I don't, it wasn't a conscious decision. It wasn't like oh, I'm going to Madrid because I have to flee this, this situation and get space. But I think subconsciously there was definitely a part of that. And now I think. Did I have to go to Madrid in such haste? Could I not have stayed a year or two and worked it through with my family? Because they, they were all going through it as well. It's not just me. Like I said, I'm not even the protagonist in this. And, you know, then you've got my mom and my dad and everything else. Like, it's like everyone was struggling in their own way. And, um, and, I, and I packed my bags and went to Madrid. And, you know, and that's something that at the time I didn't connect the two at all. And I can I can honestly say that I didn't connect the two, but in hindsight, I am starting to see that there were potentially subconscious dots that were very much connected. And maybe if I had my time again, knowing that I'd always move to Madrid anyway, did I necessarily have to move there and then? Maybe I could have waited. Maybe I could have, um, you know, gone through it with my family in a more uh, close fashion, I suppose, and kind of be there for each other rather than my way of dealing with this subconsciously, I believe, was just to be like, I need to start fresh here. I just need something new because everything was a reminder. Any Anything was a reminder. Everything was a trigger. Um, and I'm not proud about that. And like I said, if I could go back in time, I think I think I would have done things differently there. It's something that I think a lot of people can relate with because we've all been in difficult situations where we feel like, yeah, getting away would make this better. But even, I'm sure, tell me now, when you went to Madrid, I'm sure you still felt, you know. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I had, like, it wasn't like, unfortunately, um, it wasn't that I went to Madrid and then everything was rosy and it was all forgotten about and blah, blah, like, far from it. But it definitely offered some respite, for sure. Some relief. It wasn't so oppressive. But then things would happen, you know, whatever wherever it was, whatever triggered me. And then that would be it. And then I'd, you know, you quickly fall back into it. The fact that I was in Madrid then made no difference, mm. but it was a good distraction, making new friends, being in a city that I love, perfecting a language that I love. Um, it was a good distraction and maybe a needed one. I don't know. Maybe if I stayed at home, maybe I would have just gone downhill very, very quickly. Maybe in, who knows you are never going to know the answers to those questions, but yeah, it wasn't a complete escape, but um, it was a partial one or let's say a substantial one for sure. Yeah, man. It's, it's interesting because 
when I hear a lot of people in recovery talk about um, when they were addicted to alcohol and drugs, they they were almost uh, a bit grateful for the existence of these substances because without these substances, they may have done something more final. So, mm. you know, you were saying, oh, yeah, I, I, I went to Madrid, but if I didn't go to Madrid, I don't really know what could have happened. Something, something, you know, something more serious could have, I could have gone down a spiral and and maybe the move to Madrid could have acted as your your drug or your alcohol, you know? Mm, mm. I, I do I do think sometimes there are uh, there are healthy distractions. Uh, yeah. I I think I think you have to you can only confront something when you're ready to confront it ultimately. Yeah. And I've been trying to do it for since it's happened and like i said in the moment i did it in a way that i'm proud of and then since then i've been trying to do it for for my own self um, rather than to protect the person it happened to um and i've done that to varying success rates and achieved different different uh outcomes because i've done it from different places um when i say different places i don't mean geographically i mean like personally speaking uh and i feel like now i hopefully keep on it keeps on on an upward trend and i keep on getting better and i keep on uh i find more peace with the situation but i feel like now i'm in a situation where i can when i can remedy it from the right place not from a place of anger or from a place of vengeance or anything like that, because anything, any outcome, any outcome that I would have got working from that place would have been giving me temporary relief or happiness. But then I would have eventually come to, and I would have eventually gone, that was really shitty. And I haven't actually, all I've done is I've made someone else feel terrible or whatever the case may be. Do you know what I mean? Um, I feel like now I'm in a place where I can achieve or work toward achieve long lasting peace with that situation and hopefully repair um, some very burnt bridges. That's the aim. You know, and I was talking to my dad about it recently and I was saying with the obvious exception, and this is obviously, you know, I don't think we should ever judge someone off their worst moment. Now with the obvious exception of the pedophile, you know, but my aunties and everyone else who have, you know, it was a moment of cowardice or maybe you could say it's four years of cowardice because they still haven't really come to, but either way it was cowardice and it was something that we wouldn't have expected. I don't want, whilst I won't forget it and whilst it's definitely a footnote in their story and that's a shame that they will have to carry and that they will have to live with. I don't want that to tarnish too much the image and the relationship that we had before that because ultimately they were they were and they are good women who failed massively in a very important scenario but does that is that enough to write them off as people and just go data hell they're burnt like that's it now they're dead to me and i also think holding the grudge does more harm to me than it does to the person i'm holding the grudge with because ultimately they will accept the fact that i'm not talking to them anymore and they'll just move on with their life and they'll go look i wanted to be friends with him or I wanted to re- rekindle their relationship, but he's not open to it. And it will hurt them for a while, but eventually they'll move on. That's just the way of life. But if I'm the one who is holding the grudge, it's a, it's, an, it's an energy to do that. I mean, it takes real energy. 
and it's not a positive energy at all. It's just sapping any goodness and any positivity from me whenever it comes up. And I just thought, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's just having too much of an effect on me. It's having too much of, of an effect, a, a subliminal effect on my good relationships with other people. Because like I said, it's sapping away. It's draining me slowly. It's like a little fucking vampire. It's just like sucking the blood slowly like a little leech or something that's just there and i can't get rid of it and i just thought this is just ridiculous um so i've made calls uh i'm planning to when when corona's decides to piss off to uh go to italy and try to rekindle some sort of relationship i'm not stupid I, i'm not naive i don't think we will ever be happy families completely you know, I don't think we're going to be like the sound of music in the hills with daisies in our hair. But I would like to rekindle some sort of relationship. I would like to be able to visit. And I would like to, when I have kids of my own, to take them over and to show them a part of my heritage. And, and not an arbitrary part of my heritage. Not You know, I don't want to go to just Rome randomly and be like, oh, yeah, I'm Italian. Isn't Rome great? No, I want to go to where I'm, where I feel I have roots in Italy. And that's Milan. And that's you know, Nova Milanese and that's, and, and place that I frequented throughout my childhood. And I can only do that if I, if I work towards it. And ultimately I'm sure they feel shameful. And if they don't yet, I'm sure they will do at some point. I'm sure eventually they're good people at heart. They've made a massive mistake. Well, I'll accept that. But I do think they're good people at heart. I just think they were cowardly, which is something that I knew that I didn't want to be seen as. So that's why I acted how I've acted. Maybe it wasn't such a priority to them. But I understand whether the fact that I don't agree with how they acted, I've now come to a point where I can at least understand why they acted the way they have. I will always question why they did. And I'll, it will always be a source of um, disappointment for me that these people that I held on such, in, such high esteem didn't act the way I would have hoped, it, hoped they had or and didn't show me that they had uh, the character that I always thought they did have because ultimately they, they proved otherwise that said I don't want to I don't want to carry on with the rest of my life hating these people or anything like it and it causes more damage this, this whole fiasco has, has, has you know sent shockwaves through the family anyway I don't I kind of want to put a stop to that as much as I can anyway I can't force anyone else to come on this journey with me like I said if my mom or my dad or my sister or anyone else, they don't want to do this with me, it's their own journey. And I can't force them to come on that with me. But I myself, I can make sure that my relationship with them is better. Maybe by doing that as well, I think maybe I can help them, and not in a self-righteous way, but help them see the error of their ways. Because I think now it's almost like we're almost on two sides of the fence and we're just so partisan and it's like, oh, I can't see how you would ever act that way. And they're like, oh, well, I don't believe it ever happened or whatever the case may be. And I think maybe if we open up and we say, look, this is this is the effect. I mean, it wasn't just the sexual abuse. It was, it was all the ripples after that. Look at what it's done. Look at how your cowardice has added to the ripples of the sexual abuse and how if you just accept the, the reality, it's a shit reality, I understand. But if you accept it for what it is and try to improve it, then you can stop adding to those ripples. Then the ripples will only emanate from him and from the abuse. But we can work as a family 
to rekindle that that notion of family because at the moment it's it's dead in the water and that's really upsetting you know because i know i'm going on a bit of a rant but for me to even question the notion of family is earth shattering because i mean you you're living now with chiara it's not to say that every italian family is perfect but my god do they value it above everything else and once that goes it's like the foundation the pillars of everything you believe just crumble and so for me to go get to a point where i questioned what was the point of family did i even believe was it a social construct the fact that we share a bit of dna and maybe the same last name what does that even mean do you know what i mean the fact that i was even asking myself these questions was was a, obliterated me and i now understand that i can't go forward as a nomad and pretend that i don't have a family or whatever the case may be and look i've got the family i've got the cards i've been dealt so i have to make the best out of that hand you know i'm wishing that they were all saints it's great to do but it's never going to happen i know who they are now and i just need to accept them for that and maybe on that journey of acceptance maybe they can improve and maybe they can show me that they're better than they are in their worst moments that's at least the hope that i have yeah it's uh i guess the the the, the journey that you've been on would maybe give you further uh, hope that other people can quite significantly change their opinions on something or mm -hmm. change their perspectives on things that you thought couldn't be changed. You know, like yeah. you said, if we had this six months ago, you'd probably tell me, Jim, like these things are ridiculous. I'm, why would I go to Italy? He, he's a scumbag, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And, I don't know, has it? Has your transformation now changed how you look at people and say, hey, yeah, they, this person did this, or these people acted in a certain way, but but that's what they did. And I did things that I'm not proud of, but uh, mm. look at me now, you know? Has, has yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, there's exceptions, okay? And so whilst I'm trying to be more as, as compassionate as I can be in this moment in time, there are still, there are still for me some non-negotiables. Okay. And one of them is if you're a pedophile, I'm sorry, but for me, that's three strikes and you're out. And there's no, the, the best case scenario, as far as I'm concerned, is that he would accept what he has done and try to repent. Now, that does not mean that if he did that, I, I would welcome him with open arms far from it. But at least, at least I would see that there was some humanity left in him. At least. But that's not the case. Okay, fine. That's not the case. Maybe he will come to, maybe he will take it to his grave and he will think that he's pulled the wall over everyone's eyes and everyone still, th but it is what it is. Years to come, he'll be, on, he'll be a gravestone and I will tell people freely what he did and people will have, and then people can make their own minds up. That said, <clears throat> if you don't form part of those exceptions, which is, you know, pedophilia and such like, then yes, I do believe that, like I said, we shouldn't, it's easy to pass judgment. I've done it. I'm the first to admit I've done it. You know, when my parents got divorced, I was very quick to say, oh, this is terrible and this is this and blah, 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 and whatever the case may be. But where does it get you and what does it do? It doesn't do anything. Um, it fills you with, okay, you might have inflicted a bit of pain, which in the moment might feel somewhat good. But actually then you feel like even more of a scumbag anyway. You feel even more shit. Um and I don't, um, you know, I don't want to go too much into the argument of good or bad people because that, that's, that's for another podcast. But one thing that I do believe 
whether you believe that there are people who are inherently good or inherently bad or whatever the case may be, or that no one's a good or a bad person, we are just people. Whatever your belief system is, mine is, you get judged on the consistency of your actions and your decisions. And so I'm not sure if there are inherently good or bad people, but if you're consistently good and you consistently do good things, you're allowed the odd fuck up. As long as it's not too, as long as it's not too serious, like I say, but you're allowed the odd fuck up. Okay. If you consistently fuck up and then you do a good thing every now and again, that does not mean you're a good person to me. And so he's a great example of that. He, on the face of things, did great things. He was a nice bloke, affable person. Talk to him. He'd help you out, whatever the case may be. But he consistently sexually abused, as far as we know, two people in my family. Lord knows that there may be a few others in my family who don't want to come out or people outside of the family. You know, I don't know, but I know that there's two for sure. As a minimum, it's two, which is bad enough. I don't one is far too many. So he is to me a bad person. If he repented and he tried to whatever, then okay, that's a different conversation. I'd say, well, at least he has some humanity. As far as my aunties go, or whoever else who kind of has been cowardly, like I said, yes, it was shit of them to do. It was a shit scenario. And it's not something that I'll forget. Don't get me wrong. But they I think they are good people at heart. I just think they were very cowardly when they should have been courageous. What can I do about that? Like I said, you can't, I, I'm thankful that I recognized in the moment that I would, that that was the moment to be courageous because I knew that once that moment passed, I couldn't go back. And if I was cowardly like them, even if I supported, so to speak, the survivor, but didn't go above and beyond, I would always hate myself for that. And I and I honestly believe I think that's enough of a punishment. You know, it's not for me to dish out punishment or to dish out whatever. I think in the cold light of day, they will hate themselves to some extent for what they've done. And that, that's an not enough for me, but that's like a. Do you know what I mean, they don't need more than that. They brought that on themselves. I'll say that, but I don't need to add to that. You know, and so I'm trying my best to make sure that we can looking forward can have some sort of positive relationship and added to the fact that look i think i'm not sure he'll ever go to prison now because it is what it is we we didn't take it to court because at the time the person was very young and it was a very you'd have to relive it through court and all the rest of it and it's, you know you, you have to relive the whole situation again and to real real stringent questions and everything else and he, he would have had a lawyer trying to prove him innocent and we didn't we didn't go through that process that day may come. That's up to the survivor to decide whether that day will come or not. But he's an old man. He will die soon enough. And I, when he does, I want us as a family to be able to move forward. I don't want him to have an everlasting effect on it. You know, it's it's really it's it's great to see man. Like I really yeah. am proud of you. Like it is. Uh, like again, I can't put myself in in your shoes. So again, I can only think from the perspective I've had, where I haven't had such. So sentences, but maybe for people listening, who uh, oh, sorry, a few things I want to say. One, mm. uh, this is pr- recorded before our conversation with Dr. James Cantor, a paedophilic yes uh, expert, which which is interesting in itself because perhaps you have a new opinion when people are listening mm. to this. Mm. Um, the second thing I wanted to say or ask was, 
I remember we were talking before and you were talking about how I want to make this podcast applicable for other people as well. Maybe not just experience in a very, very similar instance, but mm. we, I think we can all relate to the idea of being filled with anger towards a certain person, a certain group, a certain mm. team, a certain thing, you know? Yeah. Whatever um, it may be. Whatever it may be. And Again, it would be nice if if you think, hmm, yeah, no, like I, I want to, I want to just say to this person if you're experiencing this hate, hey, like it, it can change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I like, I don't want to be so egotistical that I would think of myself as an inspiration to others, <laughs> as much as maybe I would love that deep down. Um, but no, I think this, like you said, you don't have to have gone through sexual abuse or vice versa or. or like yourself or had or be a friend or a close relation to someone who has suffered sexual abuse to relate to the story at least i hope not i think what the, like i said at the very start of the podcast the goal of this this whole this hour odd is to offer some sort of hope to people who are maybe in the in the mire right now and can't see a way out whatever that situation may be whether that is <clears throat> you're struggling with addiction you're struggling with depression you're struggling with you're struggling with depression because of sexual abuse or because your parents have got divorced or because your girlfriend's just left you or because you've just lost your job or whatever the case may be. It's just, I think it's really good to accept those dark feelings because they're natural and you can't make out unless you are some sort of Dalai Lama. You can't pretend that you that that's not part of you or whatever. It's part of the process. And I think you have to accept those. You have to come to terms with those. You have to get comfortable with them, to be quite honest. Um, and then you have to work through that. Because I, I, I'm not sure if it's in a podcast with one of our guests, Jim, or whether I just heard it in another podcast or I'd read it somewhere. But someone said, and I wish I knew who it was now, but someone said, uh, basically, the suffering starts and stops with you. You can choose when it ends. And when I heard that, I can't remember. I think it might have been on one of our guests, but when I heard that, I thought, what a load of shite. I mean, this person clearly doesn't know what it is to suffer. And they're just talking from this airy fairy bollocks like world where, oh yeah, you can choose. And I was like, this is a load of rubbish, but whatever. Everyone's each to their own. Everyone can have their own opinions. The more I've come, come along the journey, the more I realize that is the case. And it's up to, it's up to each and every one of us whether we want to sit and wallow in those deep and dark emotions or whether, yes, like I said, get comfortable with them, accept them, but then also have an end point. Whenever you're ready, I'm not saying you should choose a date, right? 15th of October, I'm working, I'm working through this. It will come naturally to you, but be ready to have that and accept that you actually want for yourself. If nothing else, like, um, like think, uh, Richard Moore said, good selfish, if nothing else, be selfish enough to want better for yourself mm-hmm. and to want a better life and not to want to suffer anymore. Um, and if you and that that comes by working through it. And I think this is a story that I hope anyway can really apply to many people because people, you know, get into into ruts for for loads of different things, and they might get into different ruts at different stages of their life. You know, it's not to say that now I've come through this. I will now forevermore know how to deal with horrible situations because God forbid Louisa splits up with me tomorrow. 
and uh, <laughs> and I'm sadder than Eeyore. Do you know what I mean? But at the moment, I feel a bit like Tigger, and so it is what it is. We've got to work through it. And I just hope that people who are listening can take that at the very least, the, the the notion that it will come to an end and be ready and look forward to it at that end and then move on with your life. And and, chew, and like I said, I thought it was bollocks, whoever it was that said that thing. I thought it was an absolute load of shite. But it is true. You, The suffering does start with you and it ends with you. You can choose if you want that suffering to carry on or if you don't, and if you, and if you want to put an end to it, and if you think you deserve more from your life, and you deserve happiness, or at least you deserve the pursuit of happiness. And I think when you make that decision, I think that's a real game changer, because once you make that decision, then, you know, to, to, to use a cliche, the world can be your oyster, I think. But it's a hard one, I think, as well. The other thing, Jim, I'll say... And you kind of mentioned it on one of the uh, podcasts that's going to come out next year. I feel bad for these people. We're constantly referencing podcasts that's going to come out in 2021. Bear with us, folks. But you said something along the lines of like how your dad keeps on harping back to the old times and he's almost self-inflict, like consciously self-inflicting suffering. And there's something to that. You can become almost too comfortable with the suffering. Mm -hmm. You can almost think you deserve it. You can. I've had these these weird warped notions that if only I could take all the suffering of my family on my own shoulders, I would deal with it. Like if I could alleviate all of them, well, it doesn't even fucking work that way. What what what? So what kind of weird notion is that? I'm going to go to God or some weird being and say, oh, you know that suffering you dished out to X, Y, and Z. Yeah, take that back and give it to me as if it's some sort of fucking KFC order. I mean, it's ridiculous. But I was having these thoughts because you get almost, you almost find it like, I don't know, like noble or something. Like, oh yeah, I'm suffering and I'm dealing with it and I like the suffering. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, there's nothing noble. There's nothing good. Deal with it. You have to deal with it. You can't shirk it, but want better for yourself. You know, I think we all deserve that. What what I think uh, to, to quote a good friend of the podcast, Will, he, mm. he says it, it's easy to get clean or it's easy to get sober. It's tough to stay sober. And I think this can be applied to, the, to this, the mental health journey that we're all on. But even for this context, like like you said, it is a journey. It's a constant process. And tomorrow we could be talking. And unless you're focused or unless you're consciously trying to, like you said, keep keep on this 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 route per se. And mm. um, like you said, you you mentioned your plans for the new year. Uh, did I? What are my plans for the new year? I, be- I believe you said it was your intention to go see a therapist. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we mentioned that in private. I didn't know. I didn't, but yeah, no, um, yeah, for sure. Like, look, look, I mean, that, it wasn't you outing me there. I think I've done enough outing myself in this podcast. But uh, yeah, um, <laughs> no, yeah. Like, I I want to because I think I've done a lot of work on myself by myself. Uh, and like I said, that's definitely we've we've benefited from having great conversations with great people, and that has been a massive help. And they've almost been therapists in a way, in a way. I feel like we're kind of sponging off them, to be quite honest. Maybe we should send them like 50 quid in the post. But um, but all jokes aside, no, I would like to because I think it's important. There's definitely things there that I haven't worked on or that even if I wanted to work on, I need professional help to do so. I, and there's With the best will in the world, I can have the greatest guests on the podcast, but I need someone to talk to me about my situation and whilst I do try to glean as much as I can from arbitrary situations and general things, 
sometimes you just need someone to speak to you about a very specific problem. And I think I need that. I understand I need that. Um, so now it's try, I, you know, and I, I thought, could I do it in Spanish? And I thought, nah, I need it to be in English because I need, whilst my Spanish is good and I could definitely get my point across, I can't have any road bumps. I can't have any stumbling blocks. I need to express myself fully and completely so that they can then help me the best way they can. Because otherwise I'm, I'm kind of, I'm holding them back, you know, I'm paying them to do a job and then not actually allowing them to do it properly. So yeah, I'm going to try and find an English um, therapist in Madrid, which may be uh, harder than that uh, sounds. Um, but yeah, because I realize I need to do it. And like I said, it's a journey. I'm by no means am I under any illusions that this is all groovy and that now I'm going to be just this happy-go-lucky, constantly, always cheery. In fact, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to record it now, as in today, because who knows what I'll be like tomorrow. Maybe another one of those dreams and all of a sudden I'm back there again, you know? So I understand that, but... It, I, I used to say a lot, it is what it is. And I think I used to say it as a throwaway line. I now really have come to terms with that saying, it is what it is. And I now really accept what that means. And so now when I say I truly mean it, it is what it is. It's the situation I'm in now. It's, the, car, it's, the, it's the, the cards I've been dealt. I'm trying to do the best with it now. I might find myself in a rut in a couple of months. And I'll do my best to get myself out of that rut as well. You know, But at the moment, a day at a time, um, and that's all you can do, really. I think uh, not too many plans is a, probably a good thing, you know. Um, but I'm 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 happy because I'm happy that I'm a lap. I want myself to be happy. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, makes a lot of sense, man. And I think yeah. a lot a lot of us struggle with that, like yeah, accept ex- accepting that that that's actually that's really what we want, and not other things that that. Uh, are maybe being pursued instead of mm-hmm. this. I just want peace of mind. I think that's really, yeah. really what we want. We want peace of mind. Mm-hmm. And we think that other things will bring us peace of mind. But yeah. very often they don't. No. I mean, listen, if someone wants to send me a million quid out of the kindness of their heart, then that's fine. I'll put my bank details in the show notes. But <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that will really give me peace of mind, or that it might make me fairly happy for a little while. But um, I think it's momentary happiness. But yeah, no. Look, um, to try and end it on a positive note, that's that's all I'd say. If anyone's listened all the way through, I really appreciate it. I hope it gives people who are listening some understanding as to why I say things the way I say them, or think like the way the I think about problem. certain. Yeah, the Italian problem. This well, this is the uh, the Italian problem, and you know, that's it's hard, um, but it is what it is, and I've got to accept it. I think I have accepted it to some extent, anyway. Um, I'm sure there's more acceptance to come because uh, there's definitely anger still there. I'm not. Uh, there's no. I'm not trying to make out that, that I'm not angry. There's definitely some still anger still there that needs to get worked on and needs to get flushed out, but there's less than there was substantially less. I think, I think maybe you can attest to that because the last time we recorded this podcast, I felt a bit sorry for you. It was basically me here for an hour, just absolutely unleashing, just ranting. Um, and I don't think it would have done anyone any good to listen to that, to be quite honest, uh, but maybe it was needed as well. Maybe I need to get that off my chest, but yeah, I really appreciate um, people listening and uh, we, you know, we're going to try for next year 
um, to get, like you already alluded to, to get James Cantor, Dr. James Cantor on, who is a, uh, an expert in, I think it's sexology. I think, is that a term? I don't know. But if not, in the sex world, like the, the, the science behind sex and all that type of jazz, he is an expert in it. And one of those things is pedophilia. And it's me coming to an acceptance that I actually want to learn more about it. And that's why we've got him on. You know, I wouldn't have had him on three months ago or even a month ago. I don't think I would have had him on, you know. So um, we're going to try and work through it because I know some people will be listening to this. And they will, whilst I said that, I think, I hope anyone can listen and learn. There are going to be some people who are, who have really, the story is almost parallel, almost identical. And for those people, I want to say this isn't a one and done this isn't the first and last time we're going to talk about sexual abuse. We're going to keep on banging the drum because I, the, if I could have one aim in my life, it would genuinely be to get rid of the shame that it causes people because they have, they, there should be no shame there attached whatsoever. It's got nothing, the survivors and the, the mem- loving family members of that, that survivor, they should feel no shame because it was not, it wasn't a problem of theirs. These are master manipulators and you know, that would be my big message. So we're going to keep on working. We're going to keep on banging the drum. We're going to hopefully keep on getting great guests on. And I just really appreciate everyone's support. Um, it's been great. And I appreciate you, Jim, for doing this and, and having the conversation with me. Really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, if you have any questions, let us know. We love to hear back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So send them through, send them through to our, our uh, email our Twitter, our Instagram, wherever it may be, send them through. And if you, if you want, if someone's listening to this and they want to send me a personal question, they've never met me in their life, feel free. Send me a question on my Twitter or Instagram, my personal ones. None of them are private. So you can find me on there and I'll, I'll happily answer any of your questions or, or point you towards some good people who can maybe help you out or whatever the case may be. Um, I'd love to do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but until now, until next time, guys, um, thank you very much. Actually, next time, if I, if I am correct, next time is a reflection podcast where we're just going to look back on the year, uh, and then look forward to 2021. Obviously in this podcast, we've done, we've spoken a bit about what's coming in the next year, but we're just really excited. Um, and we've had some great guests that I've already been on. So we're going to kind of reflect on those, some of the key points. Uh, and also it's just a bit of a homage to, uh, all of our listeners, a bit of a thank you to everyone who supported us along the way because we honestly had no idea we'd be at this place so quickly we really really didn't and that's that's truthful um so i really appreciate everyone who's listened um massive love to all of you thank you hi guys thank you for listening to the podcast please don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review if you haven't already every review helps us climb the podcast charts so even more of you can listen to our amazing guests we really appreciate the support remember to tune in next week But until then, keep safe and have a good one.